Welcome back to the Profitable Python with your host, Ben McNeil. On this episode, you will meet Tony Yun Sing Su. Did I say that right, Tony? Yep. Awesome. That's right. Tony is a programmer and analytics mentor who works with Python programmers from many professional backgrounds. Tony, welcome to the show. Nice. Good evening to you over there. It's still morning in Hong Kong right now. Yeah, we got a we got a nice little um, international podcast going on right now. It's 10 p.m. my time, and it's what is it in the 10 over it's there in one, the morning? 1 p.m. in the afternoon right now. 1 p.m. All right, that yeah. Nicely, nicely timed this, this <laughs> podcast. Yeah, this this is going to work out great. So my first question to you is, why did you choose to specialize in data engineering, analytics, and AI as a niche? Why did you pick that? Um, mainly because I so happened to pick Python for my pro programming uh, language to go into first, mm -hmm. actually to be even, even earlier than that, my first exposure to, to programming was through Harvard CS 50 and right off the bat, you touch into C language. And I was like, I, all the memory allocation, all the stack and heap, um, the, the, the optimization of the code. I, I just didn't do good with that. So then I just, just did some research and looked into what Python was capable of and its wide range of applications into web development, um, into GUI development, into statistics. And ultimately, because it, it, everyone was, was just going hot about what about uh, AI and, and machine learning, not really AI, AI per se, but statistics. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Python is very strong with computational processes and uh, statistics, and that's basically machine learning. But um, ultimately, after I learned for a while, I just started applying for jobs. And then the more I applied, the more it seems Python, the niche, the skill that I have with Python is mostly applied into machine learning and AI. So I just started off from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that there's a huge a uh, little secret embedded in what you just said, basically like you kind of liked programming, but the more you started learning about it, you found like where, where the customers were, where the trends were, and you just chose just, not to fight just, that. You just went to fight that, learn the yeah. skills for, to, to be able to, to meet the demands of those customers. And, and it turns out actually Python with, there is Django and Flask, and mm -hmm. there's lots of different applications for web dev too. But, but with Python, the JavaScript is just way better for, for web dev because of, of like uh, recent Node.js or even React uh, frameworks provided and lot, lots of different tools that, that JavaScript is, 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 is in domain expertise as. Mm -hmm. Python can do the same with, and, and as, this is especially true with, with Django um, data-oriented uh, web development frameworks, um, but, but it's not as well, well optimized for web development. I, I would, I would think with Python, it, Python is, is better for, for statistics and, and machine learning. There's PyTorch and recently I've been using HGBoost for, mm -hmm. for regression models, but yeah. Yeah, statistics, that, bioinformatics, and, and astropy, and there's some things that I don't even know exist that actually exist. <laughs> yeah, the data science is is where it's at. You found your home, Tony. 
Yeah, I found my home. <laughs> nice, nice man. So I want to know what was your first success as a programmer and uh, analytics mentor. Um, my first success, actually, my my first teaching experience, my first client was, I think, it was um also more of analytics. Um, my first client was actually R programming. Um, and it was more of like a, a Airbnb text analysis of, of their CSV and, and forming up a world word cloud. After that, I just jumped straight into, um, tutoring the XG boost fellow. He had a huge project for me to do. He's, he's actually an Amazon statistician. Um, and a PhD in statistics. He, he just wanted, wanted me to build a network for him with WebSockets and then with that WebSockets develop a UI, a gaming UI to, to collect data and with all that collect, collected data, process, process it through an XGBoost, multi-threaded uh, XGBoost socket to pro process that XGBoost regression model to, into a CSV. That, and I'm still working on it right now. <laughs> nice. So, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big jump from a uh, word cloud assistance to. Yeah. Cause he, <laughs> he, he, he started off just like, Oh, I wanted, I want to know how, how to make this image move or make this line move in, in this UI interface yeah. to, I want to make a WebSocket connecting UDP, uh, 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 UDP uh, WebSockets to client to servers. And then he wanted, and then went to the, Oh, I want this multi-threaded. Oh, mm -hmm. and then I want this XGBoost regression model for stocks. Oh, I want to web scrape um, from, from Yahoo Finance. Oh, I found this uh, 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 Y Finance library that just, just gets Yahoo Finance data for me. Oh, let's start using XGBoost API and SKLearn and then use, do some greedy algorithms and, and grid search for optimizing hyperparameter hyper tuning. I'm like, let's do it. <laughs> And for the record, I mean, the, these are paying clients, right? Yes, they are paying clients. They're all paying clients. That's, they, yeah. oh, go they ahead. find me like like a couple of weeks and then I just charge them for a consultation. And then I just, I just show them what I have. And then they're actually quite, last, last time I met with the Amazon statistician, he was like, oh, this is phenomenal work. I, cool. I just all I did was just read read articles and then try to apply what I what I have with with the most recent data and optimize the, the parameters to output and then, and then do a visual visualization on it. Mm -hmm. hmm. I'm not even at the point to I'm still I'm still doing gradient decision great great extreme gradient decision uh, regression models decision trees, but not at the point to neural networks or deep learning yet. Mm -hmm. Cool, man. Yeah, that's really exciting. And actually, I want to dig into, uh, so in the pre-interview form, you kind of you kind of had like this message to anyone that's not making money with their Python programming skills. And I was just wondering if you could, you know, if, if you had somebody in front of you and they, and you knew they were a Python programmer, but they are not monetizing their skills, what is your message to them? Kick their ass into gear. Go kick their ass into gear. <laughs> I, I'm more, I'm more like, I'm more like, what are you doing with your life? Like, let's, let's, let's like, 
of, of let's say 10 clients that I, I met on mentoring them with Python, um, some from cybersecurity backgrounds, some, some from business analytics, some, some from like my Amazon statistician and another guy, a, a business co-founder, the, the, the constant repeating theme is that there's, everyone is just Googling and then learning along the way. <laughs> and they, they don't realize, I mean, the one business founder said to me, you don't realize the amount of IT work out there just to, just to help a company install Python correctly into their, in, into their, into their uh, environment variables and into their, into the company network. And that they charge $50 for that each time. And, and also with the cybersecurity guy, he came from, um, he was a, a IBM security analyst and he needed to learn Python to, to apply these programming skills for, for data analytics to, to look into the seam, seam curator black, black box logs so that he could figure out maybe there, there is an alert signal going on or not. But that's, he says that applying Python skills with data analytics is the higher end of cybersecurity. And with how cybersecurity is so high in demand and so high pay, you, you might, you're not monetizing your Python skills is just insane. Even, even though I've just, just really learned Python for like half a year and the, the things you can do with just teaching or even teaching to meet these different people from different fields, what they teach you to get, you get paid for them teaching you new skills is, 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 is just lots of worlds and doors being open for you. you you're not getting yourself out there is, 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 is wasting your life, I would say. <laughs> so just, yeah, I want to talk about the fearless part too. Like some people are probably afraid like, oh, you know, can I, you know, can I really do this type thing? But I think you have a message for them about that too. We're going to save that for a few, a uh, few more questions. <laughs> um, what does you, uh, well, here, say, well, I mean, it, save, save it for a second. I, I have some other okay. questions, but I'm okay. setting you up because uh, I know you have a message on, on being fearless and we, we will definitely talk about that. Uh, what is your daily routine uh, looking like these days? I know you code a lot. You go to meetups, that sort of stuff. Um, I usually wake up around 8.30, like from 9 till 11, I tutor one to two clients. Um, and then at one, I usually go to some coffee shop. If not at home, I code from one till six. Um, and then during the night, if I pick, find, happen to pick up any good meetups um, in, in, in Taiwan, there's something like called Hacking Thursday. In, in Hong Kong, there's like machine learning meetups, but they're highly, highly theoretical. And mm. there's lots of recruiters there. Um, there's, I happen to come up with some Mozilla Taiwan community spaces in, in Taipei too. Do, that's during, usually during the evenings. And the more meetups you go to, the more people you meet, the more, more meetups they recommend you to go and the higher caliber the meetups you find and the higher caliber of people or businessmen or like managers or, or even company CEOs that you meet and they just point you where you go. For, for example, in, in my first year in, in Taipei, just, just randomly picking up to go, deciding to go to this meetup um, called, called Launch Taiwan. It, it turned out it was a think tank um, and it was a government initiative. 
uh, in Taipei uh, uh, within the future work scheme. And it was actually run by several uh, serial entrepreneurs and, and business owners. Casually, uh, businessmen just come and share their ideas. Of course, given, given how um, it's more of a laid back thing, it's usually for like retired uh, uh, founders or, or, or even startups or even like just starting up and going there. But I met a, 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 a serial entrepreneur that, that founded two companies in Silicon Valley. And he was just like, um, fuck web dev, fuck data analytics, go into cybersecurity. <laughs> And then, but then I, I asked him, how do you go into cybersecurity? He's like, go check out the dark web. I'm like, no, there's no such thing as a dark <laughs> web. You, you just need to know how to use Google. But there's, there's some of that. So th that's how I got the idea to, 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 um, to go into cybersecurity. But before going into cybersecurity, through another guy I met, actually still mentoring right now, a cyber, cybersecurity analyst, he just he was like you you need to get into the higher end of cybersecurity you you might not even need that much knowledge in, in, in networks or or computer theory or even the hardware but being able mm -hmm. to apply python analytics with to to the tools of cybersecurity you're already at like the top par of the job of the cybersecurity job hmm. actually i even met another guy from georgia tech um, in, a t in a Hacking Thursday meetup, and he just so happened to work two years in, in specifically that using Python to 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 uh, de detect some anomaly, do some anomaly detections with with uh, CMQ radar logs I'm using Wireshark or something in, mm -hmm. in IBM. And he was just like, "Oh, I'm traveling with my girlfriend, and I'm really here to learn Chinese." And I just finally <laughs> somehow found him and scooped him up. Man, that's it. Sounds like those meetups are just like you're if you have these things in your city and you're not going to them, like you're, what it's are just you a doing? waste. Yeah. What are you doing? Like it's, yeah. it's a huge component of your networking uh, or growing your network. Right. Yeah. 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 And I mean, even, even just now with, with what's happening in my hometown, Hong Kong and how, how like Taiwan is sort of recruiting lots of uh, high skilled people, like basically Hong Kong students over to Taiwan the the serial entrepreneur from that founded two silicon uh, uh, companies uh, silicon valley companies is is right now discussing whether i should he should hire me for his startup he's doing some gaming development and and machine learning embedded to game development using the framework unity not too okay. familiar with that i think it's developed in in, in c++ and c sharp Mm -hmm. But there are also some Python applications that I can work on with that. It's just going to meet up, so I somehow might just be able to find a job. I got, I actually got, I managed to get into university for some um, university courses, especially with how Hong Kong is and, and how aggressively Taiwan is recruiting Hong Kong students. Just show, just just showing that, being showing up, being there, and well, with the, with the worst sounding term is just bullshitting and, and just, just start telling your stories and, and be brave enough to tell express yourself you, you just people just very happy to tell you give you more opportunities actually hmm. yeah that's that's pretty awesome uh like some people don't have that mindset of yeah. abundance so you've 
you've certainly uh, found found that abundance there. Uh, I was curious, what is the nature of your obsession with augmenting our daily lives with technology? Um, so with, with Python, I actually took a course for, for, for learning how to do Django, uh, use the Django framework for web development. And as I learned Django, it turned out Python is also, is, is also good for web development, but not perfect or, or the best. But Django, it turns out it is great for, for um, data-oriented web development where, where you could embed um, uh, statistics models or machine learning models, like the AI stuff in, into the back end of the web, web development. So, so given that I actually spent some time doing learning some Django backend, and right now I'm tutoring with, with uh, machine, uh, a little bit of statistics and a little bit of, of, of supervised learning. I'm, I'm just trying to merge the, these two components together and even make, make some projects of my own to, to maybe web apps or tools that I could use myself to, to optimize my productivity on, on a daily basis because I, I, I do have some um, health issues. Um, and if I could create something that could help myself, then who, who, can, who, tell, who would know that um, maybe that can help so, many, so much more other people? Mm -hmm. is, is what I am aiming for right now, at least, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a podcast. Well, there's this guy, his name is called Noah Kagan, and he runs a podcast called OK Dork. And he also has a, uh, his co he's like a entrepreneur of a company called AppSumo. I don't know if you've ever heard of AppSumo. So his, so Noah Kagan, he is all about find a problem for you to solve, like your own problem that you solve as kind of the gateway drug into entrepreneurship. So I really think you're onto something there. But if you got, if you want a resource for somebody like an amazing human to kind of learn from check out uh noah kagan and his okay dork podcast it's pretty cool yeah yeah actually um i was asking actually i was asking more around with with how we, we can embed um statistics models and, and machine learning predictions forecasts into our backend of the web dev mm -hmm. it's actually more common and more um conventional than it seems so there's lots of startup companies already doing this yeah but with 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 like traditional web development, there isn't such a thing yet, and it might be still new. Um, I mean, compared to traditional web development, data analytics and data science is, is very new. But um, maybe, maybe I should look more into how to use those web services for a specific field. For for me, maybe I should go into like medicine or like help help manage. Um, hospital networking systems and, and, and their, their databases archiving, archiving stuff or making a better function for, for, for hospital authorities to interact with their patients online or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like that niching down else. even more, it sounds like. Yeah, think, think into going to that. Hmm. Dang. I was actually talking with some doctors, like a resident doctor in, 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 in Taipei mm -hmm. that I, I met from uh, 
a connection of a connection. So I met, met from a, a, a former businessman who opened a, a web, web application agency and he was having a Thanksgiving dinner and it just so happened a resident doctor was there and I was just brushed up with some of these conversations about how I can help out with, with uh, their hospital network systems and data management, how, how everything is in Taiwan is still not efficient enough and it's still decentralized and how patients always have to carry around their, their, their medical histories and, and their, their, doc, uh, their, their documentations hmm. to and from the doctor and the doctor will then have to, have to re-verify everything with previous hospitals or doctors and this is just highly inefficient and how my Python skills with data management or even data analytics can be applied to, to fields like that. He, he's yeah. learning Python by himself also. So. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. There's a, uh, there is a blockchain project called solve that solve. is trying to solve that problem. They're, they're basically uh, with the medical record thing that you're talking about where basically everybody owns their medical records, but they have like, a way to show that they're authentic and they also have like a payment system set up and stuff too. But I thought solve was kind of a cool project for that medical application you're talking about. What do you think about yeah. the blockchain? Is it an eye roller or a game changer? Um, blockchain as, as a, as a uh, specific field or blockchain project solve. Uh, oh, just the, uh, just blockchain in general, like, is it exciting to you or do you think it's a load of BS? Like I get everybody answers this question differently. So, you know, now you get to uh, choose what side oh. of the fence you're on. Have, have you watched like Silicon Valley and, and, and they're, they're, they're those tech episodes. Uh, I've only watched a couple of episodes. Well, it, Blockchain, I, I think blockchain is just as exciting as, as decentralization of, of data management can go. Mm -hmm. but, but blockchain, the thing about blockchain is, is that it, it's, its application is, is, is getting more and more limited. I, I, take the, I take that perspective. Like with, with, with cryptography and with, with different decentralized um, networks of, of data, um, it's not... I take the perspective where it's not very much applicable as much as data analytics or data science can be. Because mm. blockchain is just decentralizing networks to, to, to process data, but it's not the data processing in, its, in itself. It's just this, the centralization part and, and the encryption and decryption of it. So, hmm. so the trend is more... More into like, analytics. Okay. Yeah. I might I might be even be able to to pick like apply analytics skills into blockchain and that's so with blockchain um, experience into analytics or or web development and so on and so forth. Mm. And especially this is well the I, I met another the Silicon Valley guy. I mean the Silicon serial entrepreneur from that founded two Silicon companies he was like fuck blockchain um we have quantum computing we could just brute force the entire decentralization and cryptography component so why blockchain 
Hmm. But then I, I just retorted with, if 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 you're gonna say that, then why just not why just not make programming into English? Just brute force programming <laughs> into English. Oh, the mental chess battles we engage with. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So I, I had a, uh, okay, thank you for answering that question. I thought, I thought that was very insightful. And uh, so my question for you is next is about your kind of like your five-year goals going out. So I know that you had mentioned you want to improve your health. You want to learn more about data science and cybersecurity. Uh, you're going to focus more on code mentorship in Asia and uh, possibly even uh, starting a business, teaching kids how to program. Do you, is there anything like what else, what else is, is going on with this five-year plan? That's pretty, pretty awesome. Even right there. Um, what else is going on with a five-year plan? To be honest, when I started programming, all I wanted to do was just to discipline myself into something on a daily basis so that I won't sort of indulge in my health issues too much or indulge in my past of being in pain for so long and, and having to get out, not being, being able to go to school and all that. Mm-hmm. But uh, right now I'm just opening doors. One, one, opening one door that opens 10 doors that open 10 more doors. Yeah. So if there's anything that I would have in the works more than what, what I didn't answer yet, Starting a business and tutoring in, in, in Asia is, is very lucrative, especially in Hong Kong. There are, we, they have the, you, there are English tutors that have an Asian, no, no, that has a Caucasian face. They're, they're making millions of dollars on an annual basis and they're like living on, on, on high, 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 high development mansions in, in Hong Kong Island or something. Um, and, th- and with me, uh, I know English and I can teach programming. The, the, the opportunities are even higher there, but I require lots of branding and, and probably um, some sort of connection to, to get those students because parents would, parents literally throw money at you once you know English. You can teach them English and you can teach them programming and you organize a, a, a certified or even trusted curriculum to them mm-hmm. it's like because well with english with english and programming you don't even have to go to university technically because it, it's it's very tough to get into university in, in, in asia um hmm. and the quality of of the price the 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 cost to living is very high um in hong kong you have to have uh like four million for a 600, no, no, 500 feet, uh, 500 uh, uh, meters squared uh, apartment, like a little, little, little cubicle, and and you have to pay four million to buy it. Crazy. And it's still public housing. So, so, which is one of the reasons why why parents would just throw money at you if you could teach them English and programming. But hmm. I'm still actually just brainstorming here because I I'm. Well, let me, let me rephrase the question uh, this way. So it's, it seems like think there, there's all this stuff that has to happen along the way, but it seems like you're kind of laser focused on building out a business. Is that, is that correct? 
going out of business and to be financially independent. Okay. Really. When it, ultimately, what, yes. Okay. Awesome. So if that's, if that's true, then what is the, what is kind of like the big domino or the one door that you could open that would, that would possibly open up all the other doors you think when it comes to teaching kids how to program, is it branding or what do you think is like that? If there even is one thing, but I'm curious, kind of like, what is your one thing that, that you could focus on to make that dream a reality? Actually, the one thing that's stopping me right now is that I haven't opened a company yet. Like, if just find a good place to open a company and then just open a bank account there and then make a deposit. I, there's, there's lots of loopholes to, to your business uh, in, in various countries. I just learned that in, in Taiwan, you could, you could just like deposit um, 60,000 NT um, and then in, into the bank account and you could, and it only counts for the first year, you have to make 1 million in revenue but it doesn't mean you have to make profit. So basically you could technically you could just, just go on eBay, buy all this cheap stuff and then just sell it. And then mm. you, you have a company running company. And that also gets you residencies and gets you lots of different privileges. You, you get free food and, and, and conventional events <laughs> and conventions. And that's awesome. And actually even having a correct branding, a, a government recognized branding a, a okay. label to what scheme you're under can get you a far way. And this is, uh, this is, a, this is true in, 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 in Hong Kong or, or in like, well, in Asia, really. Um, it's really more of, I'm just not brave enough of starting a company yet. It's like, I, I need to deposit some money and then I have to do all this paperwork. Like there's lots of loopholes available for you and lots of schemes if you're brave enough to take them. Yeah. And especially for us, um, we have programming skills and we can teach them English. Um, we already have the skills necessary. We just need the, the actual labeling, mm -hmm. not necessarily branding in, 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 in particular, but the recognition or, or the fallback that, oh, you have this um, government, you're under this government scheme. And that's why you can prove that you're, you're doing something legal. Mm -hmm. it's more like I'm doing something legal or not. <laughs> and then you had mentioned the curriculum. Like if you had some sort of journey to take these students yes, on yes. that, that seems like that would be like, if you yes, could get that, that, that door, would be even more highly valued. Cause mm -hmm. if we have something, some a systematic, systematic curriculum to, to, to pass on to students, especially from a young age um, with, with the high, competitiveness and getting to university or even um, getting that piece of paper. It's like in Asia, you, it doesn't really matter if you do well in what you do. It more matters more if you have the degree or you have a piece of paper and then you- That's crazy. You, you, you can, you, you don't really, you could have an art, arts degree in something, but then you're not doing arts and then learn, pick up programming and get, get a job in, in a startup. But if you're really good, in, in programming, but then you don't have a university degree, you still won't get hired. S stuff like that. So um, that's why the, mm -hmm. the, the backing of the scheme is in more important. In, well, not more important. It's also if, if, if you have the will, there is a way. 
I, th- yeah. I think I'm understanding what you're saying a little more now. So literally like the branding is the recognition. Like you could have the greatest training in the world, but if they can't get like a piece of paper that says like, I took a world renowned Python training program or something, then it's yeah. garbage. Is that like yes, the content? That's what's happening here. It's crazy, man. Um, that's, that is why, especially I've, I've, I, if I can create a curriculum, a recognized curriculum, and then through that curriculum, get my students to places, mm-hmm. um, to jobs, and then even get, get those students compete on like codathons or like hackathons. And then, oh, Google might just come over to, to Asia. Oh, look at, look at this guy doing this institute, this, this coding school. Right. His curriculum, actually, his, his students actually does things. They're actually Maybe getting results. Find, find some students from there. Yeah. And, and, and we train those students from, from like young age up. Not mm-hmm. only do, do, they, do they pick up English and, well, know how to use Google in English, they also mm-hmm. pick up critical thinking skills and, and, and problem solving skills that is essential for their life. Hmm. And they could even pick up, and it, given that the curriculum is more and more recognized, it's easier for them to say, get into university or get somewhere in life. Yeah. Yeah. I see, th- I see the dilemma there. And if you could solve that problem, you would have a, you'd probably have a wildly successful business. So yeah. Cool, man. Um, so for somebody beginning their path to profitability, you recommend jumping directly into a niche course and then do all the work, stick it out. Yes. So then what? Because once you, once you stick it out and, and, and into a niche course, you don't realize how much skill you actually have comparatively to, 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 the, to, the, to the average you know, uh, average person. And it's always the average person that's coming you to help, coming to you for help. And for example, if, if I, I just started learning, I just learned Python for like say three months and then I tutor someone. The first thing, the first couple of weeks you would be spending time doing with him is, is, is just installing Python and then getting, setting up a local IDE and telling, teaching them how to use a terminal and how to run print hello world. Uh, unless they, they prob- unless they, they practice like six hours or like meet with you every day, they're not going to progress that far. So that's why, and, and by the time through after, after those two weeks, if you spend some time learning your own niche skills or, or, or follow up on, on revising your skills, you, 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 would, you don't have to ever worry about, um, Oh, I'm not skilled or qualified for this because they're they're probably if you're lost, they're way way lost than you. <laughs> and even then, if if you still think you can't solve the problem, um, most programmers I know just Google the shit out of it, and then they find the answer, and they do end up finding the answer. And it just takes some time and takes some grinding, grinding to from getting st- stuck to getting unstuck. Mm-hmm. And that's basically the gist of it. They don't really mind if you do some live Googling in front of them too, because they, okay. they learn how to do, if you're doing, doing a live Google in front of them, you're actually showing them how, how you solve the problem mm. in front of them. And they could take up the perspective the, the cognition of how to solve a problem in the future. Yeah. Like sometimes just Googling is enough. 
Yeah. Dang. That's powerful right there. So like not only, not only like they would never maybe hire you to say, Hey, show me how to Google things, but really that's what they need help with. So kind of, yeah, it's, it's crazy how like, um, what they really need, they're not asking for. I don't know. How do you deal with that as a mentor? Cause you probably run into that a lot. I actually do. Um, how do I deal with it? It's like a sales pitch a little bit, right? Like it is because they're is. not going to pay money unless they see the value in it, but they're not actually asking for what they really need help with. <laughs> I don't know. Cause it really depends on the client. Um, okay. most of the time I, before even going into the session, I try to prepare as much as possible. Mm, okay. Um, but it, it gets to the point where you actually can't give a, a one size fits all preparation and for them. So you just prepare, get familiarized, And then on the, during the tutoring session, most of the time you're just trying to stay as confident as possible. And, and just really what you're doing really is, is being a salesman, being mm. a mentor. Of course, if you're, if you're tutoring, you are being a salesman. Um, but there's lots of like changes or different um, pop-ups that you have to come up with on the spot and you, and showing them how you solve that problem to them is also very valuable. Um, so they do end up paying you and they do end up rating you very highly. And if you, the more honest you are and the more specific you are and not really, and don't BS, they, they can tell whether you're BSing or not. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, just you, you also are doing a sales pitch. So that's mm. it. And, and yeah, between sessions, you just prepare and then you just give them some sort of progress uh, progressively. And they, they do appreciate that a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you leave them with like an action plan or just kind of like an open, open door policy? Hey, if you need any more help, let me know. Like, how does that work? I usually try to goad them into working on their projects or their assignment a little bit by themselves. So I just try to okay. get them started, get, uh, tell them where you can look for some of these documentations or information of, of where you need, mm-hmm. where, where your specific assignment can be answered in and uh, like do some architecture or design on their program. Yeah. A rundown of how to tackle it. And then even, even if I myself, well, don't know actually how to solve the, their program or their assignment. Mm-hmm. They end up solving it and finishing up their assignment. For example, there was this one guy from, from uh, uh, UNBC. He was, he was doing, working on an uh, uh, assignment um, for figuring out Go, like the game Go, the board game Go, the black and white pieces. Yeah. H- how to count the points for that Go, doing it recursively. Mm. So they have to rec- uh, recursively uh, iterate through all the uh, all the spaces within the board, s- see if it's black or white, and then see if that specific black or white piece is covered by by a, a surrounded by a black or white piece, hmm. and then put that calculate the 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 scoring through through the the iterations of the entire board. Um, also done recursively and like if, if you don't if I, if I don't even know actually i started off didn't even know what what how to score go 
I just explored how, how you can do recursion, how the game goal works. And then after, after a couple of sessions, he just came back to me with the entire co source code with, with the problem done. And it was like, it was like 200 lines all done recursively. And I was like, wow, I did that much. <laughs> I helped him that much. I was like, oh yeah, you helped me a lot. All the other TAs, they don't even help me. I'm like, huh. yeah, it was all, all very good. Wow. So, so what would you say, what would you say the mixture is like, sometimes you're giving them like hardcore, like, okay, actual code, but then there's like an aspect that you're also offering, which is like strategy kind of 30,000 foot view stuff. And then there's like these other skills like Googling and, and whatnot, like how are those like the three main categories or like, how would you kind of categorize the services that you offer? Cause when I hear programming coach or something like that of Python coach, I think of like hardcore, like we're going to write actual software, but in reality, you're, you're kind of just helping them push through their mental blockage. Like you're not, you're not writing the code for them or I don't know. Help me understand this, I guess. Um, as a rule of thumb, if you're a mentor, you should never write the code for them. Okay. Um, you're a mentor, not, not, not the actual, uh, they're not your client yet. You're mm -hmm. still actually mentoring them. You're, you're helping them to help themselves. Mm. And the value of, of being able to get them unstuck from get, being stuck from getting to getting unstuck is actually invaluable in most cases. This is like from my personal experience, whenever I'm stuck, the, the actual, the actual deep rooted grinding required to get yourself unstuck is, is, is 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 very herculean i would say but uh, as as another point um it really depends it, it's it's all it's a one-on-one -on -one relationship between the mentor and the student you have to develop that relationship with the student and be able to communicate with him well and then inspire him to to pick up some skills or pick up learn how to learn what, what you're teaching him is is teaching him how to learn to learn how to solve his problem. You're not hmm. actually solving the problem for him. Of course, there are also other students that actually want you to do their homework for them. And, and you try to avoid them as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but then, unless they actually offer you something in return. Um, for example, my, my, the, the, the uh, stock market predictions I was working on with the, the, the Amazon statistician, um, he actually, with, with how long I have spent trying to goad him into Google or write his own programs, he still doesn't know, know how to read code or he doesn't understand the concept where, where, where each code base, you have to spend some time to Google and even read the, read the code. And mm -hmm. each code is different by its own right. And it's not something that you could just read and understand on the on the fly. Um, it, it turned out that I had to code up the well the entire project for him, but but he did teach me a lot of machine learning concepts and extreme gradient boosting decision trees and, and how to do some grid search greedy algorithms. What is overfitting? What is what is underfitting? Yeah. Um, 
what is predictions? What 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 are the like mean squared like well mean squared errors just for linear regression? Like finding the error of logistic regressions. What is supervised learning? All these different things that he could teach me for me teaching him, and I get paid. That's, so that, awesome. that's awesome. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Even another reason why you're insane to not like if you've got some of these skills and you're not putting yourself out there, it's literally it's insane. Like you could be mo- moving so much faster. That's really inspiring, man. I'm 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 uh I'm proud to kind of well, let me just say this. I've been I've been kind of lucky enough to see your progression like I, f- I feel like you're like a vertical line i don't know if you're like a freak of nature or something but like <laughs> like your skills have kind of skyrocketed but i don't think it's by accident i think it's by all these things that you're doing you're going to these meetups you're coding like multiple hours per day you're putting yourself out there with these clients and you're getting paid and then in exchange you're also learning things like dang man you are setting a good example the greatest part about mentoring is not really the mentoring part or the skills you need to mentor people or the growth is the people you meet, the different yeah. fields, the backgrounds that you meet and you realize what, what Python can help them to do or what you can use Python to do mm-hmm. apply is, is like, it's, 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 it's mind blowing. Like my first couple of clients, other uh, there was there was a, a master's de- uh, ma- uh, a, a, P- a doctor going to a PhD for mm-hmm. uh, for for some bioinformatics uh, apl- applications with Python, and he needed to use uh, bi- uh, a bio uh, bio Python for for deciphering and parsing genetic data for for his assignment, and that was amazing in its in its own already that Python can be applied to such, such, such niche and high, high end um, research purposes. Yeah. But, but there was a, a, a twist to that. His professor required him to use Python 2 and a deprecated <laughs> library in PySAM. Right. And then Py, Python 2, at, uh, when I was tutoring him, was going to be def- deprecated and out of date within one month. Oh, wow. I, I brought that assignment to to a um, data uh, well uh, uh, another serial entrepreneur who knows Python, and um, he he does frequent uh, analytics with with pandas. And he was like, "Fuck that assignment! <laughs> that, that professor's just lazy." But this I, was like I, a I college student, out. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow! He, he was like, because he was also a professor at one point. He was mm. like, oh, this, that, that fucking professor just wants to push out the assignment one last time before the Python 2 is deprecated. <laughs> I was like, ooh, I didn't know about that. That's something new. That's something great to know. Oh, man. That, well, actually, you bring up something that I, I mean, I want to talk about here. And that is, uh, so, well, basically, we need to, according, according to your pre-interview, which I thought this was pretty profound, why, you know, my question, I guess, is why should we learn to objectively criticize other professionals' work? And it, it almost seems like that's applicable in that situation, you know, like, why are we using Python 2, uh, <laughs> fearless leader? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, this, this is very true. What, um, yeah, so why should we learn to be objective? Why should we learn to objectively criticize other professionals' work? Why is that a good thing? 
Um, can, can, can you, can you uh, specify more clearly what do we mean by criticize other professional professionals? So, well, I think, I think actually I developed this, this question from a, uh, uh, so you had your experience with this was with your doctors. Like if you would have listened, if you just would have like basically questioned your, oh, yes. your doctor's uh, expertise, but I see this as like applicable to a lot of places. Like we need to be, we need to be friendly when we interact with people, but we shouldn't, even if they're like, you know, 15 years into the field, it's probably a good skill to be like, Hmm, let's talk yes, about yes. this. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, well, from, from my personal experience, it's, it's the more specialized you are, the more lost you are into that little bubble and you don't realize it. And as a bystander or, or as, as a mentor or as a individual from different backgrounds, um, it's, it's very important to, to actually voice out your opinions and try to chat, not, not only really challenge them, mm -hmm. but provide a specialist with a certain perspective from, from your part or from another, another perspective, because a lot of times professors or like seasoned doctors, they just spend their days doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. But that it's just, that, it's just that, that it just turns out that skill is really hard to attain. And there's, and it's just very, very specialized, but essentially what they're doing is just the same thing over and over and over and over again. They, they, there's lots of things that they don't realize can happen, or there might be this little way of looking at a problem and you just voicing out or criticizing that scenario might read you dividends in the long run than it is to, to you not voicing out your opinion. Um, it's one of the reasons why, like, like they say, like meeting with people, meeting new people and talking with them, um, going to meetups or even how some people find socializing a very purposeful endeavor because you can learn different perspectives from different people from different backgrounds, even though perspectives don't specifically limit themselves to people. There's like lots of like ideas, perspectives. They don't have to come from people, but it's, it's the easiest way to find new perspectives is just to meet new people. And uh, that is why it's, it's very important to criticize. Have, have, at the same time, when, when, you're, when you're criticizing your work, also have another part of you that's criticizing the you that's criticizing the work. Also, you might just go into like really miserable rabbit holes that you don't realize you're getting yourself into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the, social, the socialization thing that you're talking about. Uh, just as like a sidebar, that's why, that's one of the main reasons why I started the podcast. Like how, yeah. what other, what other excuse can you think of is a great excuse to get on other people's calendars and then you get to talk shop with them. So uh, anyway, that's, that's my little, uh, that, I'll just, I'll just leave that there, I guess. But podcasts, it's been a great experience and we get to talk shop like this. So, this is so much fun. Um, why do you see adversity? as the key to exponential growth? It's not 
for for me it's not really the adversity per se but the overcoming of the adversity okay and and the skills and the lessons you learn from overcoming the adversity um it's to say that a person can there's there's always meaning in something if you're suffering if if you're happy or if you're successful that in itself is already meaning but you have to garner the meaning, the, 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 the meaning that, that, that you want out of a specific scenario. And adversity, adversity just, just provides that opportunity for you to apply uh, and, and overcome to, to pick up those skills you need to find the meaning that you want. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious because uh, w- with adversity, I'm sure, I mean, I've seen different sides of my, my different stages in my life. I might have reacted differently to the adversity. Kind of what mental game do you need to have to turn, you know, adversity into a catalyst for exponential growth? Like, what do you need to have in your software up here? Um you just you you definitely you have to have a mentality where in face of adversity there is always a better solution or a better tomorrow or even in face of damning odds you still have to believe that there is a a path out of this, not even out of this, but into a better future. And, it, and you always have to believe that, that there is a meaning to this adversity. With, without that meaning to that adversity, or you not believing that there's a meaning to this adversity, there, there is still meaning with, for you just sleeping on, the, on bed and just, just wallowing about and, and um, just being as nihilistic as possible. But uh, that's, I mean, you're still learning something. You're just learning how to be unproductive. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for, me, for me personally, um, I used to play baseball and I used to like represent Hong Kong in, in international tournaments when I was young. Um, going to tournaments all over the world, traveling places. And, and when, during that time, I was like, I need to find more, I need to suffer more, I need to train more, I need to, I need to indulge more myself into more problems, find more adversity, find more adversity. But I never realized the important part of actually coming into in face of adversity, you have to actually overcome them. It's not really the part of, oh, I want to lose more, I want to lose more, I want to suffer more. It's through those sufferings and, 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 and through those aberrations, overcoming those aberrations and standing up again. That's the important part. Not actually, mm-hmm. oh, I want, to, I want to get punched in the face. I want to get punched <laughs> in the face. And then I want to punch, punch in the face because it looks cool. Right. It gets to the point if you pu- get punched in the face so many times, it's more like you just want to get punched in the face because that justifies your sad and sorry self. Mm. That's, why, that, 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 that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I think I'm picking up what you're laying down here. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, definitely inspiring as well. So, uh, okay. So I have another question here. Becoming more fearless and shameless is your biggest lesson. 
from working in the trenches as a Python uh, coach. Um, how has that philosophy helped you turn your skills into profits? And might I add in such a short time? Um, there's this, I, I might've taken advantage of the stigma where programming is like such a hard thing to learn or like it is a hard thing to learn. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone has this imposter syndrome that we're, that they're not good enough. And, um, so for me, when everyone is just so fearful of programming or so anxious about whether they can do it or not, or whether they're like a fake or not, the, the clients that I meet are all like that. So, so why, why don't I just give some, some confidence and provide and just provide them with some, some, some resources for them to use. And, and with that, even bolster my own validation that I'm, I'm doing the right thing and I, and I'm helping them along their way to, to get them back up on their feet. So it turns out when they're everyone's so, so humble, not really humble, they're really anxious about everything. They, 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 they throw resources at you or like they throw their worries at you. They tell you about everything and and if they, once they tell you everything, you have all the cards in your hands. And if you just be more confident and prepare some more, you don't realize how much you're actually helping them. So sometimes even like mentoring people is like more like being a psychologist to them, hmm. Sell, selling them some stuff or like reassuring them you can do it because everyone is still in the learn, uh, process of learning this skill and a seasoned developer would still Google Stack Overflow, something, something as simple as mapping up a, a, a JSON data into a, into a CSV. But to them, it's, it's something that, that's very, very alien. So if you could just even help them a little bit, they, they appreciate it a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was this meme. There was this meme I found online where, where a cat was trying to figure out how to catch a mouse. Uh-huh. And the cheetah was like, this question is is un, un, uh, is unrelated, and then the, uh, the tiger was like, "This thread is answered in this Stack Overflow," and then uh, and then and then a line came up and was like, "This qu- the, the the question basis is is based off a de- deprecated usage of Python," and then and then <laughs> don't catch your mouse that way. Do it. and then the mice was a, the, the little cat was just like, "Fuck! What? Why did I even ask?" <laughs> So yeah, I, I'm just taking advantage of, of this this paradigm where you have yeah. like seasoned developers like, oh, you don't you don't do it that way this way when you have a problem, and then another guy comes in and is like, no, this is answered in this stack or this other forum, but it's not actually answered specifically to them, and then another guy comes in and like, what you're doing is already old, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, there's there's just so much going on right there, like. You know, if you have to, if you have intuition on how to solve these problems, like just go for it and have some confidence is, I guess is what I'm, what I'm getting out of it from what you're saying. Yeah, basically, I mean, you can, a, a, any profession, I think this is true for any profession. You, you, you can, you can, you can train yourself and study uh, in, in specific niche for like long, longest of times. But what's actually in your brain or in your mind at the time you're, you're on the job is just the framework, that intuition that helps you 
oh, link this information, this knowledge to this information to this, this thing you have to do to search up on Google. And you might mm. as well teach people how to search Google. Yeah. Like the keywords, what, what does pi, what, what, what is a framework? What is a, what is a compiler? What is an interpreter? Um, what, what is AST? Like computer language? What is assembly language? What is data science? What is the difference between data science and data analytics? They don't even know how to, they don't even know that. How can they search something up in, on Google? Mm. That, that's very, that's a skill actually, the, the intuition in my opinion. Yeah. And, and I guess, I guess one could argue that's kind of what they're paying for when they hire you is they get to shortcut that and just borrow your intuition is kind of what they're paying for. Is, that's what it sounds like. That's really cool, man. Um, I don't know if people are, you know, if that's like what comes to mind when they think about how can I make money with my skills? I don't think they're really thinking, Oh, somebody will pay me for my intuition and my kind of just what I've developed, you know, over, you know, working in the trenches like that. So anyway, thanks for sharing that. I think that's super empowering uh, for helping people monetize their skills. So I was wondering actually if we could dive into what are like, if you just had to, without thinking too hard, what are like three tips that you have for programmers, Python programmers to make money with their skills? Um, definitely get yourself out there, get yourself out there as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And because um, programming or even Python programming is such a huge, huge ocean for you to transverse as a rubber ducky, um, you, you have to get, when, by, getting, by getting yourself out there, you start to formulate what areas or domains that are available or what kind of cognition and perspective that's available for you to help other people with or develop your own skills with. Without even getting yourself out there, you could, you could spend your like, months on end doing code wars challenges or completing problem sets for, for, for a CS CS uh, computer science program, like covered CS50, you could spend like months doing that, but without the actual interaction to know what domains and what skills are high in demand or low in demand or what blockchain, what, what part of blockchain of what, what part of Python programming is blockchain in? What part of data science is, 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 is in, in Python? What, what frameworks comes with those was, uh, uh, fields? how many different applications with Python can you do with cybersecurity without even getting yourself out there and talking to people and trying to formulate your own perspective uh, for, from, and then bolstering that from, from talking to people on, in the field or on the ground, you would never be able to know. And that's the second tip. Get, I mean, um, the first tip is to get yourself out there. The second tip is to start formulating and developing your, your perspective of what is Python programming? Like people always say computer, computer program, computer programming, programming, Python programming is just a tool. You need to know what you want to do as, as the end product. And the third tip, I mean, the last tip is to actually figure out what the end product you want out of uh, Python programming is because Python programming really is just a language. It's just, Oh, I know how to speak English. What, what, what do you do with English? I speak. That's not, that's nothing. Oh, you need to figure out once. Oh, I, once I know how to speak English, maybe I need to 
talk, um, learn how to translate English into another, into another language or actually go and talk to people and maybe even land a, a salesman job and use my English skills to promote or market some things. You have to, I think the best way for that to figuring out, like conceptualize these three tips is to actually reverse engineer what you want to do as an end and then figure out, name the people or the courses, the programs that, that would get you to that end goal. And then for the, like the broad base of the pyramid, you had just have to start exposing yourself more immerse yourself in that situation and then just start doing it. I yeah, think. that's solid, man. Have you read that book, the seven habits of highly effective people? I, no, I, I actually listened to previous podcasts and lots of people were talking about seven habits of, of highly successful people, but yeah. The, so what you're talking about there, they mention in the seven habits, one of the seven habits is beginning with the end in mind. And then, it, it, so if you have that clarity, you can reverse engineer these situations. And uh, so I, I really think you're onto something with your algorithm for monetizing skills with what you just shared. I mean, it's really, uh, it's, it's like seven habits for programmers. Highly effective programmers. <laughs> There's your next book title there, Tony. Seven habits. <laughs> Maybe I should write a book. Yeah, that's on your five-year goal, man. Yeah. Uh, that, no, that's really cool. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, I, was, I was curious, if you had to start over in this niche that you're in, what would you do first? Like tomorrow when you woke up, how would you start? Um. Some things I, I did mention about finding a specific niche and the program that, that gets you skilled in, in that niche. Mm -hmm. But maybe even before that is to don't limit yourself in such a way that you have to find a specific system or a program that gives you the skill set to, to be able to be become competent or like do the things in that niche. Um, this is especially true with programming or, or even with uh, data, data science or data analytics. Um, every day when I'm just like filtering up CSVs or data frames and then training data models, I, Google, I almost Google every single line of my code. So there is no, there is no whether I'm ready or not ready. You just, you just, Make sure you know what you want to do. Figure out a, a action plan or like a, a goal and how a, a, a structure to how you're going to achieve that goal or like that, that program, and then just start googling the shit out of every single line. And then <laughs> somehow within two weeks time frames, you have a 400 line script that trains the hundreds of models in one go, that hype, that, that that tunes that, that that tunes all the optimal optimal parameters for your regression model and just like, I mean, just a month ago, I didn't even know what XGBoost was. Mm -hmm. Now I have this like 400 line script that runs like hundreds of models, all, all hyper optimized for, for that specific scenario. I'm like, what did I do? I don't, <laughs> and, and then now I'm trying to get this model, this 400 line script multi-threaded 
through WebSocket so that it could process information faster, maybe mm -hmm. even connected to a, a outsource the, the, the processing speed to, to like Google service like ser servers, and then embed that to my web stock market app. And it turns out embedding a model to your backend of, 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 of web app is actually very easy. Like my mind is blown is there. Yeah, I, oh man, I love that so much. Basically, figure out where you want to go and then Google the crap out of it. Shazam, that's how you do it. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, uh, okay, so what would be kind of like the first tool that you would pick up on your journey if you had to kind of start over from scratch? Uh, it's very important to know how to... Google. <laughs> There's a reoccurring theme here, folks. <laughs> yeah. No. Google search is literally the first tool you would pick up. Oh, oh, actually, um, the first tool, like for, for, for the last question in this question, it, it's very important to actually master a specific tool, like learn how to use that tool so that when you're actually figuring out and problem solving other uh, other applications or other programs, your efficiency and effectiveness to use that tool to better uh, facilitate your problem solving would mm -hmm. be that much more effective and easy and faster. You don't have to like relearn how to use Google spreadsheets. You don't have to relearn how to use uh, Google and how to search stuff. And you don't have to relearn that, oh, how to use a Google Drive. I'm like, oh, that you don't have to like relearn that there's stuff like web service services out there that might just do a specific job you're trying to do and might maybe you might want to use those web services other than uh, other than like having to write everything down or like opening up tens of millions of tabs and stay disorganized like learn your, your learn your tool maybe maybe even like learn vs code learn how to use vs code and mm -hmm. then optimize your vs code uh extensions or like features to best fit your, your, your specific niche. And then you're set. You don't even have to remember how to use do those pseudo commands or like those bash commands for, for downloading or, or optimizing your environment and variables. Mm -hmm. I, I, I learned how to do that. I solved my problem. I forget it. Right. As it's already set it, it's already configured in my VS code settings. So why bother with it again? Mm -hmm. well, if you run into it again, just, just, just stack overflow it. And it's actually, it's always in the top few Google searches. So it's not really that hard. Yeah. That's solid, man. I think, I think somebody can hear that and immediately be more productive. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, what do you recommend that doesn't take much effort, but solves like 80% of the problem of getting coaching clients? Coaching clients. It's actually be be as for from my experience, it's just being as frank as possible, and then just just try to talk with them first. Don't try to view them as a client. View them as a human being that has that that wants help with something. And that you're there to offer them that help and value so that you can become friends. It's like first become a friend for them, establish that one-on-one -on -one relationship and, and then think, 
how you can solve their problem for, with them. It's like, don't, don't, don't bomb yourself or don't, don't get depressed because from the, from the job description, you, you probably can't even solve the problem for them. It, when you actually start talking to them, when you actually start befriending them, mm-hmm. okay, sometimes they might have this huge time frame that they want to learn how to, to learn, learn the skill. Or sometimes they already sort of figured it out, but they just need a different perspective or like outsource their, their brain to someone else to like think, think of the same problem at the same time. And it, it solves lots of problems for them, but it's very important to, to actually befriend them and actually communicate. I mean, coming from me, I was like, cause I, when I was, when I was in high school and I was young, I was like all about competence, all about, all about mathematics, all about, producing results but um right now when i tutor people when i mentor people it's, it's more about that relationship with them and for and, and being able to to provide value or or even inspire them and then you, of course at the end you have to provide an end uh, a product or an end result that you did solve the problem for them mm-hmm. but from the beginning till the middle you're still trying to inspire them to 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 solve a problem for themselves and when it, when it comes to the point that they can't solve the problem then you solve it for them of course hmm. make the friends first make, make the friends yeah i did not i did not see you taking that question there and so if i'm hearing you correctly it's literally this whole thing is based on soft skills developing a personal relationship with this person winning them over uh, it, winning them over and their confidence in you, and then the hard skills come later. I guess is that is that a fair kind of observation of of what you just said? Um, it's more like they have this problem that they want solved, but before they even want the problem to be solved, they want they have to overcome their own their own anxieties to actually want that problem to be solved. Because mm. there's always before they even come to you, that most likely they also have lots of rejections, or they're already very downridden by the fact that they can't solve the problem. So even before you even tackle the problem, you have to inspire them to say that this problem can be solved, and mm. and you can solve it. And at the end, it it is something that that you as the mentor can help them solve. Okay. Dang, that's it is, it's not really like it, I might just still be it's not really as being a salesman, but it's more like the you have to be a friend to them. Mm-hmm. I, I can go around asking asking some some close friends of mine to help me do this or help me do that. Um they they might or might not know how to help you, but they somehow come through. Cause they're just friends with you. They're like, like, like brothers and they just help you. Mm-hmm. That's the, basically it. Yeah. And then you get paid for it. Really? Dang. No, that's, that's really cool, man. Thanks for sharing that. And I want to invert the question now. So what is like for somebody starting out in this niche, what is like something they should totally stay away from? That's just, you know, tempting, but a huge waste of time. Um, always enforce a a policy not really a policy but more like have have a bottom line that you will never cross 
for example, if, if, if I tutor students from a different time zone and I have my own schedules that keep my productivity to the utmost, um, don't just adapt, like ring, ring your, put your entire world around them because they would just start, well, not really, they would just start taking it back, um, taking, not, not appreciating that, not, not, not appreciating that and, and I even take advantage of you. And then even though if you do, did end up providing a product to them, they don't see, they don't, they don't even realize the value in it. The actual, well, the awe inspiring program that I wrote that I spent two weeks in, 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 a, in, 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 uh, in my mother's basement and then they were doing that <laughs> program. Uh, uh, so, so it, when, when they start getting, so always have that ball in mind and never yeah. cross that ball to mind. Um, for example, if, if a student just wants to meet with you 1 a.m. in the morning or 2, 3 a.m. in the morning and they want you to coach them for like five, five hours straight to like meet a deadline for their professor, you don't have to, um, you don't have to accompany them to their dying wish. Like you, you can tell, you can tell whether they, they're actually trying, trying to trying to force their problems on you um and they they know they can't solve the problem that's why they just want to force it on you they, they become very desperate and they just just become very entitled and then once they once they don't know how to do it they just they just you you provide them with half of the solution and then they just oh why 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 are you so why why are you such such a a, a low quality mentor or something and, and you didn't even do you even know Python? Cause, cause I thought you're supposed to be like solve it in like 10 minutes or something like mm -hmm. you don't even know how to solve your problem or your program. And it's, and your, your assignment is due the next day, like one, like 12 zero one in the morning, like one minute past, past midnight. And, and you're complaining to me why I, why I don't know Python. Mm -hmm. Those are one of the people that you avoid, and and if that's one of the, 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 that's your bottom line, never cross that bottom line. Yeah, it's it's for it's for your long run. Yeah, that that makes sense, man. My immediate reaction to your answer there is, how do I avoid people like that? How do we avoid people like that? Do you? I mean, uh, do you just you see them like a mile away, and you're like, nah, I don't think I can help you, or like, how do you? You know, it sounds like you've gotten sucked into these things before and you've learned your lesson. Like, how do we make less mistakes when it comes to that department? Um, because for, for me, I actually have an excuse. I, I would say, oh, I, I, I'm in, I'm in uh, Taiwan for, for uh, conventions and for three months and then going meetups here and there and, and mm -hmm. for, for business, business trip. And um, when, when they try to force you into like five hours of, of mentoring right before their deadline. Um, it's actually very easy to make up excuses for me. <laughs> like, like, I'm just not there. Oh, yeah. oh, I didn't receive an email. Oh, well then it's not, it's not really that, that good advice, but it, it's just, it's just re reality hits. The logistics of it just don't work. And the, mm -hmm. the client just wants you to be there for, for five hours straight before midnight. And, and it, he, he, he just, 
we just met up with him like met up with him online like two hours ago and he wants he wants the end product now in five hours time you just tell him real realistically that's that's not possible mm -hmm. and if you're at the point where you don't have the skills or you're not prepared enough to hand in your assignment and it's due in five hours then what have you been doing for the the past weeks yeah you just you just lay the reality to them yeah and so that's not really making excuses just telling them the truth mm, it's not possible yeah so becoming adept to kind of seeing these red flags i guess is kind of like it might be tempting like oh i can make money but really you want to avoid that like the plague those are not the customers that you want and that's kind of your is that your message to the audience um, in the sense, in the sense that how, how we could, uh, find like differentiate between these, these bad people and the other students that you want to go into, mm. um, yeah. it's the, in the description, they would just be like, I want it now or, or else or something. It's, it's more like they front, they're threatening you or they have unrealistic expectations and they have their little entitlements and you can tell that right away. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think, I think I've officially added a new question to the podcast after your answer here. I'm like, I, I should have been asking this whole time with everybody on the show, how do you differentiate between good and bad clients? Because I think that's a super valuable skill. Like our time is limited. And one of the benefits of being an entrepreneur like yourself is you get to choose who you want to work with. So making the best decisions with who you work with is probably like a good skill to acquire. Anyway, I just had a light bulb moment. So thank you, Tony, for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my answer to that is not so, so much focusing on how to differentiate whether the client is a good client or a bad client, mm -hmm. but what you as the, the service provider can gain not what you can, what, what the client can gain out of you, but what, what you can gain out of the client. Yeah. So, so even, so sometimes even though if, if the client is like, Oh, I need this done next tomorrow morning, but maybe his project is, is for the Nobel peace prize. Then you probably <laughs> yeah. do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So kind of like the, like what opportunities are provided, like that's an aspect of evaluating a project is, Yes. Like what, what are you going to kind of get exposed to? That's really yes, cool, yes. man. I, I think that's an awesome. Yeah. So not, yeah. How do, uh, and the caveat for that is that you get paid for doing it and learn, learn what, 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 what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really cool, man. What, what is like, uh, well, do you have like a favorite project that you worked on? or something like a, like a niche in Python after working on that project, you're like, man, I just, oh, I, want, I want to continue working on my stock predictions, stock predictions. Okay. Yeah. Stock <laughs> predictions. And then embedding into cool. my, my web backend web app, my stock market app. Cool, and man. See if I, what, what other features, like what other predictions, what other features I can add to my web app. It's like, if, if I, if I learn to do the statistics and then know how to embed it to my backend, I could skip the entire UI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could just outsource that with your, with your winnings yeah. from the stock market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't even want to touch front end. It's so annoying. 
Oh man, that's funny. Yeah, there's a, well, good, good on you, man. You have major clarity on your goals. I think that's, that is uh, not to be taken for granted. So good on you. Um, What are three favorite learning resources you have for data science analytics? Um, I, I started off with, with data quest. Okay. Um, because they have, uh, more of guided, gui- some guided projects that you could download. Your, you could even post your, your projects into GitHub. Um, it's the good with me and data quest. It's, it, I like data quest because they have a better structured program, but maybe, maybe like looking back, maybe I don't even need to start off with data quest. Like, that actually structuring of the program and providing of the UI for you to in, the interface for you to okay. feel comfortable with, with data analytics. Maybe just start off with Kaggle. Like just start off with Kaggle, Kaggle. courses. Just, just yep. Google the shit out of everything that you don't understand. And just, just go on to Kaggle, get a data set down and just start breaking things. Yeah. Not even like not breaking things, breaking things per se. It's just like, oh, you could run this cell like this. Oh, I could add, an, I could add some description like this. Oh, I could take a JSON file and actually read it. The Pandas actually has a read JSON method. And I'm like, oh, Pandas actually has a has a two SQL database method. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing, the resources available for you is just endless. Maybe maybe just jumping straight into it might be a good start. So like, I would recommend going to Kaggle and then just start messing with the data sets. And then once you're confident enough, start doing their actual competitions because the Kaggle data sets are they're actually cleaned already. You don't, you don't have to clean the data. Mm-hmm. You just have to run the model. Just understand what's happening behind the background. Run the model, hand it in. Run the model, hand it in. Yeah. Basically. So are you, are you going to be a Kaggle Grandmaster? Uh, is, that on the, is that on the radar or you just like that it for the learning? That is on the radar. That okay. is on the radar. <laughs> That's the, that could be the notoriety that you need to start your school. Yes. Because people will respect that. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here, but. The, the, it, it is true. If you tell them about that, that, that you actually win prize money from uh, like a, a data, a data science hub or forum uh, and where, where real world projects from real world companies actually post their problems for you to solve, people would actually recognize that. Uh, mm-hmm. The only drawback is that some people don't even know what Kaggle is. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Getting back to like the brand and how well it's recognized. Um, well, I think, I mean, in the data science circles, I'm, I mean, if you don't know about Kaggle, you should probably check it out. Cause it's, it's definitely a thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that, that brought up another question I had for you. Have you heard of, um, uh, I think it's like Quantopian and then there's this other platform called Quant Connect and they basically, they let you compete for prize money writing like stock trading algorithms. Have you heard of that? Ooh, I actually haven't. I've heard of Quandle. Like- well, Quandle, Quandle's another awesome data source, but okay. So I, I would just highly recommend you check out Quant Connect and um nice. quantopian cool thanks yeah is, i i just never i could never wrap them around my head how you actually find these resources it's almost as if they're like uh, you have you have like 
you're like like jack of all trades and have a toolbox in your hand ready wherever <laughs> you go. Well, actually, my my story with uh, programming when I first when I first got the spark of like I want to learn how to program, it was for stock predictions because that that was just like the reason why I got into it. So it's definitely like a little like I have a soft spot for that, but it's turned into so much more now. But I always have it. It's always going to be there. And uh, I, I just, I want to learn more about it for sure. But, but yeah, enjoy that. Uh, let's see here. What is the best piece of advice you have ever received? Oh, oh, <laughs> the best piece of advice I ever received is actually just, just go to meetups and meet like 30 people per week. Like, like when you go to new places, find all the good meetup, not even find all the, just go to every meetup that you, you think is, 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 is valuable. Mm -hmm. I even went to like, like, like when I went to Taipei for the first month, I was like, there's lots of foreigner, lo lonely foreigner nights meetups. And then like, there's hundreds of people and the description, the description said that, oh, you might be able to meet with, uh, 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 professionals from different backgrounds. And then, oh, I just went, and I did manage to met meet lots of people from, from different backgrounds, like teaching or like uh, PR or like uh, dentists or even like freelancer, freelance photographers and, and like get to know how the world works and over in, at their side of the world. Mm -hmm. But it turns out it was, a, a, it was like a, a, a dating convention kind of like I approached this, uh, this dentist who's 30 years old. He was, she was actually there to like uh, make, make a boyfriend now like, find a I'm husband 30. I'm, like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm 30 why are you coming up to me like, oh i just want to learn about dentistry that's funny uh, but so you're saying just like put yourself out there that's like the huge takeaway and uh go to these meetups meet people as many as yeah, possible that, yeah. that's, that is the best advice i ever had because i know you, you just you don't know how 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 like nice or how willing other people are 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 to help you like they, they you don't realize how, how willing they are are to help you mm -hmm. like you know, don't always get trapped in your bubble where where they're, they're just trying to help you because they want something out of it they just want to help you because it's convenient right not, not to them but to you or to 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 the real scenario or reality of things and and it feels nice to help people so mm -hmm. so the more meetups you go to the the more people you have in your network to help you around with stuff and who knows you just need to meet that one person who has that one idea or that one program that might help you open a hundred more doors and you just need to meet that one person um so whenever you have free time just go like and go to these meetups that interests you meet with new people and they, they actually teach you more than what what any online course or university course can teach you life dang. lessons and all that dang that's powerful yeah i'm i've just reflecting on what you said there like i feel like i'm a knowledge junkie sometimes that i'll just i'll watch course after course you know but there's huge benefits in going yeah they're, like it's not all about the online courses i guess is what i'm trying to say there's a lot of other places you can learn uh, the online courses are still good 
Yeah. If there's actual the actual community behind the online courses. Mm, okay. Like I you see. can meet lots of people from from these online courses too. And the yeah. course content. Put it this way, online courses are only as good as the community or the 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 actual people who participate in the online course. Like mm. if you actually want good quality, like quality content, just just go to MIT, just go to Stanford and, and do their courses. But if you just want, if you actually want a, 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 a course that gives you perspective of what that uh, subject is and, and like dive into what, what some of the, uh, the, the, the field might provide for you, you don't actually have to go to the high end like Harvard courses. You could just go to any random online course, meet with the people there, talk to them, and they mm. would tell you something that you would never know and would blow your mind away with, with, with the thing you're trying to get into. Mm -hmm. Like Python, maybe use VS code, it gives you crazy extensions and you could, you, you could actually run Docker. Did you know that you could run Docker with, with VS code? There's a extension GUI. Once you install, once you get Docker set up, you could use the VS code extension to run Docker commands in VS code. Instead of, instead of your containers, I'm like, the... it's pretty powerful stuff. I can yeah. agree with that. Yeah. I, I've been messing around a lot with, uh, the Z shell or, uh, uh, well on windows 10, you you can, uh, use the windows subsystem for Linux. Yes. And then with the windows subsystem for Linux, you can install Z shell and Z shell gives you, Z, Z shell is a really cool uh, tool to have in your tool belt because it, you can have a bunch of plugins for like Docker, Python, uh, all the, there's like a, tons and tons of plug, Git plugins and stuff where it shortens the commands and stuff. And then um, uh, what is it? Pi uh, there, there's a thing you can install on Linux called Pi env and Pi env. Yeah. Pi env. You install it on your Windows subsystem for Linux, and then PyEnv lets you install any version of Python and to toggle between versions of Python. So it's literally like you will never go to python.org and download Python again. You can you can have ev every access to every distribution of Python, Anacondas, every Python three, every Python two. So I'm telling you, like, throw this in your tool belt. Throw this in your tool belt, man. You're gonna be. You're just. You're gonna have a lot of fun. I know you're gonna nerd I out am. on this. It's it's almost as if someone who went about exploring all the different Python distributions and the different code editors that support Python and just went, why all this confusion? I'm just gonna spend some sleepless nights in my mother's basement and just make wrap around <laughs> this package and this so that no one will have to suffer using this Anaconda feature, but not being able to use it in VS code, something like that. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I've really enjoyed it. I think it, it can solve a lot of the headache with like, um, well, I've, I've had a personal experience with Anaconda just basically taking over my computer and messing up stuff. So, uh, with PyEnv, it's really easy to get rid of these distributions. You just delete them, uh, or you, there's commands to remove them and stuff. But anyway, Certainly check that out if you're not acquainted with that. I've found a lot of value in PyEnv, Z Shell, 
And then you can, with VS Code, I don't know if you know this, but you can, um, you can launch VS Code in Windows Subsystem for Linux. And, it, and so, like, if you have Docker installed on your Windows Subsystem for Linux, like, effectively, you can do, all, like, Linux, you can be a, 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 an app developer with a Linux experience on Windows. Uh, anyway. That's my two like, cents. Like open up your, your Windows command line and then type in VS Code or something like that. And then that would launch VS Code. Yeah. You, services. Well, you, so you open up. Okay. So you basically you open up VS Code and then uh, there's an extension called like remote. It's like remote W or remote for WSL or something like that. And then on the very bottom left-hand corner of it, it lets you... It, it'll say like, would you like to reopen VS code inside of windows subsystem for Linux? And then when you do that, it hijacks like the command prompt and everything. It gives you like a really native experience. Oh, oh. Um, I actually, I, I mentioned this to, to, to some other guys I met on, on, on meetups. They, they were like, they were fascinated with WSL. But they were just saying the WSL distribution in, in Windows is is all old, like deprecated compared to the ones in Linux. So I'm just, I'm not too sure. It's um, because I'm sure on me, some nerdy level that's true, but I have yet to run into something. Oh, oh, because because the main reason why I do booted into Ubuntu is just that um. I might have opened too many tabs and viruses got into my windows. <laughs> no defender. <laughs> but I just had to partition a space and then dual boot a space where there's no viruses in my computer. And then <laughs> <much easier. laughs> Oh, that's yeah. funny. What, what do you think is like the best book ever written? Do you have a favorite one? Um, I like the 12 rules for life by Jordan Pearson. Okay. Um, it's it's just really rings, um, rings well to me and and my past experiences, and actually even Jordan Pearson as a person. Um, um but, but by the way, do do you know? I mean, I'm just I'm just geeking out right now because uh, do you mm -hmm. ever run into like when when running your stock market models? Do you ever run into uh, uh processing speed problems where you like take hours and hours on end to process your models? Dude, what what Google do? You, what kind of service do you use to process that model, or or do you multi-thread those models? Or you might. I mean, if you're looking for something for free, you might just check out using Google Colab because I think you get free GPU. Uh, oh my! Like it's just part of the. It, so you can like train the mat, the model on Google Colab, and oh, then yeah, yeah. and then. Uh, save it that way. Otherwise I, um, I haven't personally tried this, but I've heard this is how people solve their problems is they use spot instances on AWS because spot pricing is like 70, like you can save like 70% of the computing, uh, cost if you're willing to use spot instances, but Google Colab worked for me, like especially with the GANs which are really processor, they're just really intensive um, on your machine. 
I noticed the GANs trained a lot faster on Google Colab. But you have a timing out issue. So make sure that your script saves your model as part of the, like usually you can save your model with every uh, like epoch. And so even if the thing dies, you can load it up again and then just continue training. That's my little hack for life. You have, you have so many hacks for life. I don't even know where you get all these resources. I'm, I'm, I'm a connoisseur of knowledge just as yourself, man. You know, I, I, put, in, I put in the time uh, to learn things. It's almost like, like, like a seasoned connoisseur for, for tech <laughs> and tools. Always something behind your, 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 in, in your little toolbox. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, the podcasts probably help a lot too. Just talking. I mean, every week I'm talking with, software developers getting insight on how their brain works and stuff. So it's dude, this, this is a lot of fun. I got to tell you, this episode has been a ton of fun, dude. I think people are going to get many knowledge bombs out of here that they're going to be able to go take and implement into their processes and getting clients and coaching and all that stuff. So, um, okay. Last question here for you. What programming languages should we look into in 2020? Um, from, um, I, I think it really depends on what domain you want to go into. Don't think programming languages, think what you want to do for the end product. If you want to make some really cool web app or some application and that doesn't really require really in depth. Uh, I'm just going to say it doesn't really require in-depth expertise or specialization Mm -hmm. in the computation processes. Um, Just do JavaScript. But if if you want to do do something that is something that that requires lots of in-depth statistics or with concerning data or even uh, really higher-end functionality with your web apps, that's my opinion. Just go Python. Python has, has applications and, and basically you can do anything with Python. Um, it's not as strong as JavaScript in, in, in developing cool applications or like not, not as strong as in, to Java or, or, or um, JavaScript uh, with developing these cool, nice web apps like on the run to scale. But, uh, but Python, you can, <clears throat> you could do really, really, really niche and really, really high-end uh, computations or, or processes. And every, o- every other day, there's this weird, weird guy in his basement making up this package for you to use so that you don't have to f- excruciate, your, uh, be miserable and try to solve this weird web scraping API problem. So, yep. The community is pretty awesome in Python. Yeah, it is, it is. I would agree with you on that. You might Dang. as well just find this random API that does the thing for you instead of trying to solve it yourself with, with you using Python, of course. Yeah. I'm not too sure about JavaScript but not, or Java, but uh, in Python, the community is great. Mm-hmm. So, so my, my advice is like what, what you want to use is, is it really depends what you want to do for the end product. Mm-hmm. But Python does everything. So go Python. Just keep that in your back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. Well, okay. So, uh, where do people connect with you? What is your call to action here? Um, 
I, I have a YouTube channel. I have a Facebook business page. I have an Instagram business page. I have a Twitch channel. I have my LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, but uh, maybe just check me out on, on those platforms. Uh, my, my YouTube channel, it's not really just, it's not really much. It's just me streaming my, my 200 or 100 days of code. But just, just search for search for Tony Sue and you'll be able to find me. On on Facebook, I'm also called Tony Sue. On Instagram, um, I'm called uh, Tony Solves Your Ass Sue. But then I do also have a, a website that that that's basically you could come up come find me uh, and book times through through Handley. And my website is called uh, www.thepiesolver.monster. Nice. I got a domain for that. <laughs> Wait, it's called the Pie Solver Monster. Yeah, the Pie Solver dot Monster. Oh, dot Monster. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, man. We'll make sure that people got those links there, and uh, certainly uh, you're super approachable. So I encourage people to reach out to you you have a lot of experience in the coaching niche and uh helping people break through their challenges um did we did we leave anything off the table here that you wanted to uh discuss on the podcast or did we do a good job with with everything today i think we did a very very swell job so there's one thing i want to ask you though. sure maybe maybe after the podcast or something like should, for like data science processes i'm considering whether i should go back to anaconda what do you think? You know, that, that's a great question. I'm, I'm probably not the best, the best person to ask because I just never, I, I just do everything with, with Python. But, um, so, but the consequences that I have to constantly install these packages, like if I'm doing a project, I have to install Pandas, Jupyter, all this stuff. And with uh, Anaconda, you get it kind of out of the box and they give you, uh, they give you some other benefits. But I... Uh, I, I say, I say, check it out if you want, but I get along just fine without for, an Anaconda. For VS code, like running the, the dot I dot P I P Y N B and in, in the VS code GUI, when I try to do a Git version control and, and push it off to GitHub, yeah. I'm also dual booting my, my laptop right now. Yeah. I go jump from windows to let to Ubuntu push from one side, pull from another, push from another side, push mm -hmm. to another, pull from another. And I, I, I come to these problems where VS Code has these, uh, like it's internal Jupyter Notebooks GUI. And it sometimes when you do some Git commands on those files through the VS Code GUI on Jupyter Notebooks, it, it, the files somehow get corrupted. Oh, and really? They don't, don't get pushed. I wonder, you might experiment with, uh, with uh, shutting, them, shutting them down before you commit. So you know how in Jupyter you can shut down the kernel. So I'm, I might try that as an approach, but the other thing I might throw out there is, uh, did you ever, did you ever look into that IDE called spider three? Yes. Yes. I, it's, it's, it comes with Anaconda. I, I mm -hmm. actually just installed the uh, Anaconda and spider into my Ubuntu yesterday. And yeah. if you use, that's why, that's why I'm considering using Anaconda because Spider three comes with comes with Anaconda, yeah. And it's it's if you use it in Windows, it actually comes with the 
they, they provide you with a GUI to use like uh, MATLAB or like Spider 3 or like Jupyter Notebooks and you just open Anaconda mm -hmm. GUI and then gives you everything. So maybe I'm considering, maybe like for data science and data analytics, just Anaconda is well, more well suited for. Yeah, I'm, I might need to mess around with it more before I give a, a response that you'd like, but uh, with Spider, I mean, you don't need Anaconda to install Spider, but I think the installation is a lot faster. And then with Spider, you've got that whole, you can run it by cell, you could run a line, you could run the whole script. So I think that's yeah, really, yeah. it's almost like a better Jupyter experience. But um, if you just wanted to try it, well, I, I haven't really had issues getting my Jupyter into GitHub, but I don't know if I've ever tried to do it while it's running. Oh, I don't really do it while it's running. It might be because I, I, I dual boot my computer. And I, I made some changes in my windows. Mm -hmm. I push them up and, and then um, I go into my Ubuntu. I made some changes there. And then, but then forgot to pull, but then pull and then push them again, it's fine. But then when I go back to my Windows or go back to my Ubuntu, the, the changes that I did in, in either Windows or Ubuntu, it's just not there. Mm. Stuff like that. You'll have to report back to me. It sounds like a, a problem that uh, is worthy to getting to the bottom of. Oh, but, <laughs> that rabbit hole. Yeah, the rabbit hole. Well, cool, man. I think we, we covered everything we want. We'll make sure everybody's got the links to reach out to you. And uh, with that being said, we'll catch you later. Peace. Peace.